Welcome back to another episode of the Pod Well Travelled by Seven West Media. I'm Penny Thomas and I'm a travel writer here at the West Australian. Today I'm joined by travel editor Stephen Scalfield. Morning Stephen. Good morning. Today's show, we've got a few things to sort of chat about. We'll sort of start off by talking about Qantas's new CEO and, and what's happening there. Then we'll chat about airline food to see what everyone's doing in that sort of area at the moment. And then we're actually going to talk about my upcoming honeymoon and how I'm going about planning it. And then we've got some excerpts from your recent trip to Africa. Yep, yep. Live from Africa. Well, not exactly. I was live when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess let's, let's dive into it. So last week, the new Qantas CEO was announced. Yes, it's, it's been an interesting story because, um, I mean, a lot of the audience listening to this will know that Vanessa Hudson has been appointed chief executive of Qantas when Alan Joyce retires or moves on, he's saying retired. Um, it's interesting because for us, from just from a travel perspective, because she's been with, uh, Vanessa's been with the airline for 28 years. So I, this is good, I think, you know, I mean, if it's like pilots, you know, if you want a new pilot, you get someone who really knows how to fly a plane, mm. you know, you don't experiment with someone from another industry. And I think that is exactly what they've done here. Um, Vanessa also has been, she's been chief, the, the the only thing in this to talk about really is that she's been chief financial officer, um, you know, through the last few years, which is a yeah, very, very powerful role in any company. So all the problems that we've, as travellers, been f- having and feeling about Qantas and the difficulties, you know, She's she's been there through that, um, so I think it makes her acutely aware of that, you know, obviously. But also, you know, you've got to say, well, hopefully she's been part of the problem and now she can be part of the solution. Hopefully, you know, yeah. Hopefully, because really Qantas is, you know, I mean, I think in in our in for our readers our audience you know is, is it an all time low in terms of reputation I mean everyone's just a bit sick of it you know mm. um, so yeah hopefully um, Vanessa she she's pointed out herself in the last few days that they've they've put in two hundred million dollars worth of investment into improving their service so you know I mean everyone knows that she they've got to do this um just delays cancellations it's a long way back from where they are Mm. but um yeah hopefully we see someone there who's got real industry knowledge and knows how to turn it around Mm. yeah hopefully because it is such a an australian brand that you know over time people have been very proud of and now it's at a different sort of stage that yeah we hope to see it return to back to its former glory well exactly right you know i mean and there are, you know, there are places, well, we're based in Perth, of course, and from here, you know, there's the direct flight to London, which mm. is very good. Um, there was, there's been the experimental, I'll call it that, direct flight to Rome, which was good. Um, but, you know, th- there's not much else going on with Qantas. They generally code share out of here. Mm. So, you know, the rest of the flights that you book in Qantas, you end up with someone else and... Uh, there's there's so much scope. I mean, the the whole the Johannesburg direct flight was just has just been a debacle, really. Yeah, right. That you can't fly from Perth to Johannesburg is it's just kind of nonsense. Mm. There's so much demand there. You know, I just flew to Africa via Dubai, 
Yeah. You know, you can fly with Singapore Airlines via Singapore, but, you know, the schmozzle over putting a flight in and then cancelling it again, Qantas was just, you know, really, it's just hopeless. Mm. So I say, yeah, a long way back from where they are. Yeah, and if Vanessa's listening to perhaps uh, put that flight in, into motion. I'm, I'm not telling you. Yeah, well, there's, there's two things, you know, there are gaps, particularly out of Perth, is the direct flight there. And there's no direct flight. I mean, you can't even fly to Alice Springs. Yeah. So talking domestically, huge problems as well. Mm. I mean, Alice Springs, Uluru for us is pretty much off because you've got to fly via Darwin or Adelaide or Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, you can't have called Perth a gateway with this direct flight from London if you can't then connect, say, to Uluru, Cairns, Sydney Opera House, mm. back again. That's what visitors want to do. Mm. Anyway, that's a personal gripe. We used to have a direct flight not only to Uluru, to, Ezra, to Alice Springs, but to Uluru out yeah. of Perth. Um, and we don't anymore, and I think it's it's a gap. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the topic of airlines, um, we actually wanted to talk about check-in and carry-on luggage as well before we get into the airline food. Um, what have you been finding in that space recently? Well, yeah, it's something that comes, you've you've just had an experience of this yourself. Yeah, you? no, I did. I was um, I flew over to Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and as I was boarding the plane, a lot of people had their carry-on suitcases, which is sort of the norm in this day and age after COVID. With you know, a lot of the airport um, facilities, especially with baggage um, baggage baggage handling handling that's the that's word I'm it. looking for. Thank you, baggage handling. Um, we've seen a lot of sort of suitcases go missing and whatnot, so people are going to their next destination with just carry-on. Um, but because of that, the the flight that I was boarding, too many people had carry-on suitcases. So if you had a bigger suitcase with you, you had to then come up to the, the check-in staff and it would go under the hull for the rest of the right. flight, which sort of defeats the purpose, I guess, of having your check-in right. luggage as well. So luckily I just had a small backpack because I had already checked in a suitcase with all my stuff that I was taking over for Sydney. But um, so I could keep mine. It was also able to go under my seat if needed. So that was that was fine. But yeah, I found it interesting that there there isn't enough space sometimes for check-in, um, so carry-on carry on. suitcases. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and particularly, um, uh, I mean, Qantas flights, every, every plane has, every airline puts a different number of seats in a plane. Mm. So, you know, 737 or 380, whatever it is, uh, different uh, different configurations. And I have to say, Qantas planes are noticeably tight. They put in a lot of seats. Mm. So if you've got, you know, three, three, three here and three there, you just can't possibly take that many cases. Yeah. Um, it's been a subject that's come up with with the audience because I have well I have a suitcase called Casey yes. who's got his own little thing going. But then because of this carry on situation, and uh, just to mention that I mean airlines aren't responsible for unloading baggage, so they subcontract that to companies like Dinata or Swissport. So they're the that's been the delays has been in. Uh, staffing levels mm. and so on for unloading planes. That's why everyone's standing around for an hour waiting for their luggage. So we're taking carry on. Um, so I have uh, I have a carry on called Just in Case, which is <laughs> beside the name. point. Um, but Justin and and I've been asked by several, quite a lot of people now, what Justin's um, dimensions are. Um, 
So Justin is um, 500 by 360 by 200 mils. Now, the last measurement's a really important one, and it's really worth knowing that different airlines, and when you get into this sort of high-stakes game where they're going to put in the hold or not, this is really important. So um, I mentioned it's 200 mils or 20 centimetres deep, which is the sort of thickness of it, if you like. Um, Lots of carriers that you buy are 230, and some airlines do restrict to 200. I mean, the classic example is Emirates, which is 200 mm-hmm. so so most a lot of the current you buy are 230s but then most airlines are 230 so all i'm saying is check the airline because they each have um specific criteria for carry on yeah. which internationally is pretty important so yeah definitely yeah. um and also i was just looking through because and it's an obvious thing to say but i mean lots of us uh, you know, lust after Rimowa aluminium luggage, you know, yes. the classic ribbed luggage. But, I mean, their aluminium uh, carry-on is 4.3 kilos before you started. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's half your, well, more than half your weight generally done on the case itself. So, obviously, goes yeah. without saying to, to think about that. Yeah, it's definitely something to factor in. Yeah, it is. Um you know, super, there are lots of super light um, carry-ons around. I think that's that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Okay. Um, I guess airline food. We've mm. got – is it Emma that's just written an article yeah. that's about to be published? Yeah. Week? Emma Kelly, who's our aviation writer, has been looking at aviation food. And we've actually got a story which is going uh, in print uh, – uh, on the 13th of May, this Saturday for us, but um, we'll also be online at thewest.com.au forward slash travel. Um, Emma's fantastic, you know, such a great aviation writer to be working with, very, very lucky. But she's been looking at, you know, the quality of food, but also the sourcing. You know, we all know that in in this world, well, I was going to say air miles, but sourcing foods, um, knowing the source, um, that's S-O-U-R-C-E, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Knowing the source as well, I suppose, is important. Um, lots of plant-based, they've been sourcing plant-based proteins. Um, they've been really, they're conscious of our, as travellers, our interest in paddock to plate, arm to fork initiatives, sustainable procurement, and I'm so interested in this because, I mean, it's, you know, these industries are so massive. Yeah. And the produce used is, although it's small portions, is so massive that that's actually how you, you kind of change the world, if you like, you know, is when industries like this take these sort of subjects seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, it's what's served up, you know, on, on the on the tray, I suppose. But um, but I say, really, I, Emma's story, and I'm interested in this sourcing. So Qantas, for example, just to go back to them and give them give them a, a bit of good news. Um, I mean, their program now they've got new dishes, larger portions, and high quality ingredients from premium Australian producers. So there's been a complete overhaul of their domestic economy menu uh, last October so you'll see that there will be a vegetarian option for all meals Mm. on the airline 
um, because they dropped that vegetarian option and got a really big backlash. Yeah. So, you know, they need to have that on there. Um, in international services, they've been sourcing and naming, you know, Queensland crab, for example, um, the pork salad is, you know, the name where that comes from. And, you know, I have to say, and I've spent some time talking to him, I mean, Neil Perry, the chef Neil Perry, is a very big part of that. I mean, he's had the longest relationship of a chef, let's say celebrity chef, mm. with an airline ever. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he's the guy. I think and that says something about it too because, it does. you know, I don't think he would stick around if it wasn't, if it wasn't what he expected as well and the standard that he would... That's he would right. Have. And I, I have, you know, in fact, I spent some time in Rome going around the markets with Neil um, talking about Qantas and their food and I was really impressed with not only his ideas but the way they listened to him. So yeah. I think that that's a very hopeful thing. There's 30,000 steak sandwiches served each year by Qantas. Can you imagine that? Wow, so, that's quite impressive. So it is. So, you know, I so say particularly with Neil driving that um, sourcing and sustainability. I think that that's, that's, that's a big impact. Yeah. yeah. I must add, um, when I flew to Singapore recently, and I think this story is actually coming up yes, in the is. paper soon, um, I tried the Humpty Doo Barramundi, which was delicious oh, yeah. from the Northern Territory. So. Yeah, Humpty Doo. Mm. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> it's been so great to see those industries um, do well in the north, you know. Yeah just uh, farming barramundi i mean they farm barramundi in asia and other places but um, having the sourcing from humpty Doo is great mm. classic <laughs> good okay. so who are you flying with to america i'm flying with cafe pacific ah. so they had a little deal on that we sort of um my partner and i got on board with uh booked our flights and yeah, locked that in a few months ago and then sort of forgot about planning the honeymoon and got back to planning the wedding and now we're sort of in the midst of quickly planning our honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, but you've done the right thing, isn't it? Once you've got a start date and a finish date yeah. with flights, then you fill in the gaps. That's exactly, exactly the way to go. Yeah, but it's yeah. been it's been a lot of fun. I was just saying to you off air, we've locked in um, our accommodation for New York now and we've got a few friends and family to stay with in places like New Orleans and Pennsylvania. Yeah, just just talk us through that decision-making for New York. It's interesting. Yeah, well, New York, as everyone will know, is is such a big city and there's so much happening there that the demand, I guess, for accommodation is is fairly high whatever time of the year. We started off just by looking at short-stay rentals just because I thought it could be a better option, a more affordable option. Um, but a few weeks after sort of investigating that, I found that we're better off going with a hotel just because it's just two of us. And I think we sort of wanted it to be a little bit more special than just going into another person's house, like an Airbnb, for example. And because we wanted to make it special, we don't have things like saunas and stuff that are readily available for us in Perth. We don't even have like a bathtub in our house. So we wanted something that had those extra sort of amenity as well. So what we did was we just jumped onto one of those regular um, booking sites for hotels and typed in five class hotels or selected that in the criteria uh, with a spa. That was another one. Then they all came up and we just sort of went cheapest to most expensive and then just sort of found the most yeah. affordable option. And then once we saw that, we went directly to one particular hotel's website contacted them directly and, and actually got a cheaper deal than what was on on that site. So that was a really great way for us to to find somewhere quite nice to stay. Um, 
And I guess I haven't stayed there yet, but it is the Evelyn Hotel, which we're really looking forward to. Yes, it's- good. That's a good. It's an interesting way that you've done it. It's a good way to do it. And as you say, to then hop onto the direct website, and I increasingly the industry is trying to do that is to get direct bookings and offer the best price. Yeah, direct. and you feel a bit more confident. I don't know why it is just to to actually deal with them and speak to them and get the booking all locked in. You well, you're absolutely right. Um, just. Just on a sidetrack, um, in Johannesburg, when I was just there, and one of the guides was telling me that she'd had to pick up a big um, delegation of business people from Nigeria mm. who'd booked into one of the big hotels in Johannesburg on a website. And when they got there, they'd been scammed. They'd never heard of them. Oh, no. And she said, you know, scamming Nigerians is pretty good. But even Nigerians can fall for scams is what I'm saying. So you can book on... You can book on various websites and you you don't know, but I think you do have more confidence direct, yeah. Yeah, and especially um, being so far from America at the moment, the time difference is different. So if it was if it was somewhere like Sydney, obviously picking up the phone and doing that is also a great idea. But because that was a little bit different, I thought just directly going through their reservation side was um, a really yeah. a nice way to go. And we're looking forward to it. It's got, you know, the added extras of having a grab-and-go breakfast. So if we are looking to probably do lots of tours whilst we're in New York and trying to see as much as we can, we can just grab a croissant from their little bakery or something like that and go do our thing for the day, which is something you also don't get when you are staying at a short-term rental. So we're very happy with our choice and hopefully um, I'll have to write about it when I'm back to to report back. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, this is a good choice. And, and, you know, you get restaurants, you know, at least you've got a restaurant presumably in the hotel, in the Evelyn you have, and then you've got – they always provide, you know, the – the moment where clusters happen, so you'll get diners and things around them as well. So. Yeah. Cool. No, no, it's great. But, um, yeah, as I was saying before, we're, we're planning on going to New Orleans as well. But um, on the way down, we're thinking Nashville, maybe even Charlotteville, and you wanted to discuss Charlotteville. Oh, Charlotteville. Yeah, well, we were just talking about that because on Netflix is the, there is the series Queen Charlotte, which is the uh, Bridge, Bridgerton spin-off series. And, of course, Queen Charlotte was a real queen, you know, probably – one of the lesser-known royals uh, in Britain. And Charlotteville is named for Charlotte, Queen Charlotte, who came from a region in Germany um, but had African uh, lineage as well, heritage as well. So she was a mixed-race you know, mixed qu- you know, queen of England. And because George III had mental health problems, you know, she actually became the queen consort and kind of ran... Ran the ran the joint for a long time. Yeah. You know, she's a very powerful queen, um, which of course is interesting. Because, so Charlotte Charlotteville, they're very proud of her, and um, because they trace some of that lineage to that region, got a big statue there. So I've just been thinking about all of that as well. So I'm lining up for a story on Charlotteville and Strelitz. You know, she came from this region in Germany, the Strelitzia, the the rainbow, the the Beak, uh, parrot beak flower is named for her actually, uh, which is also an African, you know, native. So yeah, it's very. Uh, it's interesting how the world all ties up. Yeah, speaking of Africa, we will uh, head off to one of your previous excerpts from your recent Africa trip, and let our let our listeners hear about all the fun things you got up to there. Great, thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you.
The sound you can just hear behind me is partly the African bush and partly the sound of happy guests, I think. We've gathered around a waterhole in Botswana, in the Okavang Delta. Uh, there are 18 of us, plus all the guides, these Botswanas here in this wonderful part of the world. We're at Machana Bush Camp here on a travel club tour, and we've just completed two fantastic days of game drives here in the Okavanga Delta. And we've just stopped now for a sort of final drinks. We're leaving tomorrow to go on to Chobe River National Park, which is also in Botswana. Uh, yesterday was a spectacular day, which began with six lions and a standoff between them and the hippo that were in the water body in front of them in the Kwai River here. Uh, we went through lots of other, saw lots of other animals throughout the day and finished up on the on the way home in the evening in the dark, coming round a bend in a track, and there in the headlights was a leopard lying in the middle of the track. Uh, literally walked straight past the vehicle about three metres away. The bush camp here is uh, fantastic. I like, I like all the, the camps in Botswana, but I particularly like this Kwai River and the Machana, which is in a succession land, which means that the drivers here, the guides, can drive off-road and not just restricted to the tracks. And Albert here, our guide, and Moss and Sean have been doing a wonderful job in seeking animals following tracks. We've had lots and lots of elephants today and uh, big elephants uh, stopping and you know, right around the vehicles. And we've also had some uh, three giraffes. We've just been sitting watching the southern giraffes uh, lots of impala, of course, and water buck. Birds, the lilac crested roller. Uh, got some beautiful pictures of that amongst us today. Got some very keen photographers here. The people with me are readers on our travel club tour, which we have partnered with Imagine Holidays to put together. It's been really quite a difficult thing to do because basically I wrote a wish list of my favourite places in Botswana and Zambia looking for contrast between the camps and what we'd do. And they managed to pull all that together. So we're off on a charter flight tomorrow back out of here. We came in on a charter flight on two caravan planes. Uh, so it's all very kind of bespoke. Uh, it's a wonderful experience. And so I've got lots of friends with me, old friends and new, I have to say. Uh, people who've travelled with us before to Antarctica or Ethiopia. I'm just walking past them now as they're having their gin and tonics by the water um, and if we leave them behind you'll hear that behind me recedes the sound of the guests and in front of me is the sound of the water body in the African bush